You're listening to Pair of Programmers. I'm Christopher Wolf, And I'm John Fisher. In the show, we explore different topics that software developers encounter in their careers. The format of the show is that one of us researches a topic, and the other reacts with insights from their experience. Tweet us at Podcast to send us topics you'd like to hear discussed. Today's episode is about project management. I've done the research this week, and John will react with his experience. We have a puppy on set today. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Chris? Today's episode is about project management. We're going to talk about Waterfall, Agile, and a few others you may not have heard of before. Well, first, John, how about we start with our experiences? Yeah, okay. What have you experienced at your previous jobs? So I've never actually worked in a company or an organization or any of my projects even that have done waterfall method. Um, but what I have heard about that and like what I understand from just like the academic side of things is that you kind of gather all of your requirements all at once, um, plan out all of your, I don't know if it's called sprints or like what the analogous version is, but you plan out all of your work mm-hmm. and then you start developing and at the end you deliver the product and it's, you know, not considered the best idea um, mm-hmm. because there's no feedback um, to the users. There's no like iterative planning, mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff. That's That sounds about right. Um, and so what are some project management practices that you've experienced? So you said you didn't oh, do waterfall, yeah, right. but what have you done? Um, in my day-to-day job, we do something called Kanban style, mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of like pick up the work as it comes, mm-hmm. not really like developing a set project it's more of like used for things like ongoing support and that sort of thing um and then the other the other main one is agile that's more of like okay somewhere in between those two that i just mentioned but it's more of like okay we have a project that we want to get done uh, let's gather requirements um and quickly iterate through the development and planning of them mm-hmm. with like continuous feedback from the user makes sense so that's like scrum so Scrum is a agile methodology. I don't have notes specifically on Scrum. We're going to, going to talk about agile okay. at a high level. Uh, Kanban is actually another alternative to Scrum, but it's still oh. an agile okay. methodology because okay. there's still, uh, since you're just focused on these individual to-dos, mm-hmm. you can still kind of give the client opportunity to correct you know, requirements or visions and that yeah. sort of thing. So they're both agile. Thanks for sharing your work experience. Mine is similar. You know, we've either done Kanban or Scrum. Haven't experienced Waterfall in person, but we're going to talk about all these different methodologies here. So the first methodology we're going to talk about is Waterfall. So Waterfall is a sequential, single-direction process, um, and the phases you had asked, you said earlier about what the equivalent of sprints is. Yeah, so right. phases are what you would use in Waterfall. Okay. So the phases are requirements, design, implementation, verification or testing, delivery or deployment, and then the final phase is maintenance. And so each phase in a true waterfall setup, each phase depends on the deliverables of the previous phase. Waterfall gets its origins from manufacturing and construction where, you know, you're building a physical thing. Mm. So the steps are very concrete. (laughs) Uh, This is a joke. (laughs) 
some software where you might still choose to use the waterfall approach. Mm-hmm. Some examples where the requirements are more likely to be known up front yeah. would be healthcare software, like a heart monitoring software. You know, you oh, kind of yeah, know right. what you need to accomplish, <laughs> right? And you better accomplish it. Right. Um, and so that's kind of a situation where you might still use waterfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that this is true, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, something like NASA, you know, you're building a rocket, but you have to create software to do, you know, the ground control or mm-hmm. the onboard controls right. for that. The developer's that not going to be like, oh, I thought it was supposed to turn left. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, you know what the mission is right. and what you're trying to accomplish. Right. So those are a couple situations where waterfall still makes sense. Mm-hmm. We'll get into pros and cons of each, but just as a preview, some would consider the advantages of waterfall, the ease of management. You know, it's just easy to understand. It's easy to describe to people. There's a high level of discipline. You know, we know what the end goal looks like. And so it's easy to stay focused on that end goal. So if each of these phases of the project requires only a certain set of people and like the developers aren't fully engaged and like occupied 100% of the time during those initial phases, what, are right. they working on another project? That's a good question. Yeah, they would probably be working on something else. Yeah, right. And then the other advantage of Waterfall is that it encourages comprehensive documentation, right? Because mm-hmm. you really spend a lot of time in the requirements and design phase, mm-hmm. and so you kind of write everything down, and you're having people review it and making sure that it's accurate before you get started on development. Um, disadvantages are that it's slow to accommodate change. It's difficult to nail down requirements sometimes and the delivery time can be prolonged. So with those criticisms comes another methodology that's kind of been seeing more and more adoption in the past decade or so, and that's the Agile methodology. And here, people are encouraged to collaborate, and with Agile comes a manifesto. Individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation, and responding to change instead of following a plan. And so the use cases where you might use agile methodology is where maybe the client is uncertain of the outcome, and so they want to be pretty closely involved in the creative process. So you'll often see this with startups. Mm. I was going to say, what business partner will uh, (laughs) admit to themselves being uncertain? Startups are a good example of that, yeah. Um, so I had always thought that like the word Scrum meant like the meeting itself. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that Scrum is a particular type of Agile methodology. That's right, yeah. Um, and, so, and so how is that different than the other ones? Scrum and Kanban are the two primary you know, implementations of Agile. Mm-hmm. With Kanban, you yep. generally don't have sprints. You just have the cards and they're right. sorted you know, in order. So you just take them off the top. What do you mean for by cards? Maybe something sure. Different. Yeah. Okay. If you uh, if you don't know what the Kanban approach is, um, usually you have some sort of project management software, so like Jira mm-hmm. or Asana, and you have these issues created and they're represented on a column-based board called a Kanban board. Yeah. And so the columns are generally the status of the ticket. So new would be your first column. In progress is your second column. Awaiting testing is your third column, and then completed is your fourth column, something like that. And so then you can rearrange the cards, you know, as you get through them. Mm. Um, And then someone, you know, generally your product owner or project manager will keep the cards stacked in priority order so that as developers finish tickets and put them into testing, they can pick up 
the next ticket. You, you said new for one of those columns. We, we use something called backlog grooming. It's essentially the same, yeah. Usually in Kanban, you wouldn't do grooming. Your product owner would just kind of keep the cards in order. Um, so grooming is more of like a scrum process. Um, so with scrum, you have fixed interval sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, so two weeks is what I've experienced. And then within those two weeks, you'll have a planning meeting where you'll decide what tickets you're going to put into the sprint. And then you'll have a grooming meeting where you'll look at your backlog and decide if these are the tickets that mm-hmm. you know might come up in the next yep, sprint. Yep, yep. And you'll point them. And then you'll have a retrospective at the end yep. to talk about as a team yep. what went well and what went what didn't go well. Yep, right. So that's something that you do at your... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said backlog grooming. I just meant like backlog. Oh, you just call it backlog? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. we call it the backlog. That's where we store our like, hey, we want to eventually work on these things, but you know, we're not gotcha. really formed yet. Or Yeah, um, definitely I think uh, one potential issue with Kanban is if you've got a lot of to-dos, mm-hmm. the interface will start to get unmanageable if right. you've got like a hundred cards right. in the to-do column. Yep. So yeah, you might have like a backlog view. Yeah. To just I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. No developer has ever been <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, right. So that's Generally, the difference between Kanban and Scrum. Well, we'll talk about Waterfall versus Agile in a little bit, but I want to get to a couple more methodologies that y'all might not have heard of before. So the next one is called Spiral. So the Spiral methodology is driven by risk. The risk determines the level of effort. The risk determines the degree of details. Um, And in Spiral development, you work in these cycles. And so at the beginning of the cycle, you follow these steps. First, you consider what are your win conditions in that cycle. The second step is to brainstorm various alternatives to satisfy those win conditions. What is a win condition? Um, I think it depends on your organization. So it's just uh, what is like a good outcome for this cycle. Okay. Yeah. The third step is to identify and resolve risks from the selected approach. Mm. And then the fourth step uh, is once you're all done, you get approval from the key stakeholders. Mm and you get a commitment for the next cycle. And so in general, with Spiral, you kind of start vague. Uh, Mm -hmm. You might ask, what is your concept of the requirements? Rather than asking for the exact requirements right away, Mm -hmm. you kind of vaguely ask, what is the concept Mm -hmm. of your requirements? And then... And that's included as part of the sprint? That sort of... That might be like your very first cycle. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you kind of keep it open yeah. and then, um, the next step in the very first cycle could then also be like, well, what is the concept of the operations? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think you're going to be able to do with the software when yeah. you're done? And so that might be kind of the first cycle. Then the second cycle, you start to work on an early prototype. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, you think you've got these requirements figured out. Mm-hmm. We think we can start coding. So you start coding, you build a prototype. So first of all, Spiral as the name mm-hmm. just sounds like such a bad idea. <laughs> like, what kind of project are you working on? Not like stable or steady, <laughs> right. some sort of nice, um, comforting word, mm-hmm. but instead spiral. <laughs> oh yeah, we're just gonna spiral. Spiral out of control is what usually happens. Right. But mm-hmm. um, I've never worked on this before. I've never heard of it. So when would you? use it in comparison to Agile or Scrum? Sure, I would say, so we'll get into Waterfall versus Agile in a minute, but one of the reasons people say to use Waterfall is if you know what the requirements are for sure, 
and you know you've got a certain you know budget and scope to work within, uh, that might still be a reason even today to pick waterfall. Mm. With agile, um, it's everything's just really up in the air. Like we were talking about, startup environments uh, typically go back agile because they're trying to find them their place in the market mm. and figure out what software you know speaks to their customers the best. I think Spiral is potentially this like happy middle ground mm. where you kind of know where you want to get to, but you're not really sure where to get started. Mm. And so you kind of work in a spiral to okay. find your target, you know? Okay. Yeah. So you're spiraling into control. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense when you look at the diagrams, but <laughs> podcasts can't show you the diagrams. So that's Spiral. Uh, I don't have any more notes about Spiral. The last one was really interesting to me, and it's called the chaos methodology. Oh, I've heard of this before. Heard of this? Yeah. I've never heard of it before. Um, so obviously it's based on chaos theory. And with the chaos methodology, um, the main role is that you always resolve the most important issue first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what defines most important? It's the issues that are the biggest, the most urgent, or the most robust. And so... The way that it was presented to me when I was reading online is that it's similar to the end of a traditional project where you still have a lot of work, but the deadline is looming. Mm. And so what do you do, right? You just prioritize, like that's the best thing you can do. And so you get the most important critical things done first Mm. and move on to the other issues. But the chaos theory's argument is that that's how projects should go for their entire life cycle. Right, right. Just just keep behaving in this, you know, chaotic way of what's the biggest thing I need to get done right now. Right. I I see where that would be helpful in like software development, but it just seems so slapstick, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, what's your your plan for this? Like, I don't know, we're just going to figure it out as it comes. (laughs) And like, whatever is breaking the most um, Mm -hmm. amount of stuff, we're going to fix it. Probably hard to like figure out a time estimate. Yeah. Like a business person would want to know, when are you going to be done? Yeah. And if it's always this like uncontrolled. Yeah. And also, it feels like um, as a developer or even like as a as a manager, you're not sure what you're going to work on the next day because something mm-hmm. might you know come out of the blue and like then mm-hmm. you're you know totally like create a new branch, create like a you know hotfix, like I have to fix this thing immediately because mm-hmm. um, it's chaotic and like oh, I just gotta you know switch over this thing to get it done real quick. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess that's how software is sometimes. Uh, yeah, when there's an urgent deadline, yeah, for sure. That's how it is. Uh, so those are the four methodologies I want us to talk about. But obviously, like you said, spiral doesn't sound very good. And chaos is difficult for developers and business people to swallow. So it really comes down to agile versus waterfall. So they each have their pros and cons. For waterfall, uh, it's just easier for people to understand. Um, it's easier to measure progress. You know, you can ask someone like, hey, you know, how far are you on this ticket? And you can say like 80%, you know, I'm almost there. Mm. Waterfall is best when there is a variety of dependencies between tasks. And here was an interesting argument. We'll consider if this is a legitimate argument in a couple minutes. But according to what I was reading, Waterfall can help reduce costs over the project lifetime. And that's because it's easier to fix issues, you know, when they first come up than it is you know, when it's coming up last minute. And I guess the idea is that, well, if you've done your requirements gathering correctly and you've done your design correctly, mm. you know, there shouldn't be any issues in development. Oh, it's like very utopian. Yeah, exactly. So 
well, I guess we don't need to talk about it because that was my same (laughs) criticism of that point. And then the other pro of Waterfall is that it emphasizes documentation. Can I, I gotta pick uh-huh. up issue with that though. Because, okay. So I hate documentation because yeah. like when people document stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like they tend to make it so of the moment as in like, oh, their requirements are never going to change. And this is like the exact wording that's always going to be there mm-hmm. instead of making it like more generic and like timeless maybe. At work, we use uh, Confluence as like the, the wiki that we use and we keep a lot of our documentation on there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, constantly out of date. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I have I have team members that are like, oh, everything's documented on the wiki. Mm-hmm. And then you go to it, and it's five years out of date. And <laughs> uh, they've, mm-hmm. like, re-engineered the project, so it's completely different. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, but it's there's the documentation. And it's so specific that it doesn't yeah. apply anymore. Gotcha. So it's, uh, I feel like it's very hard to, especially with waterfall methodology, where you, you know, write the documentation up front, mm-hmm. and then, like, the idea is to never revise it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's kind of unrealistic, I think. Yeah, I guess I've been in the opposite boat, where there has been, like, no documentation, mm-hmm. and the mindset is, like, well, the code speaks for itself. Right. <laughs> but then, like, some idiot wrote the code, so you still can't follow hey, along with what's going on. I was that on. idiot. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but like you said, it, there's got to be like a happy middle grounds where um, I think what I like to try to do, and I don't know that I get it right all the time, but document like what I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, here's like a high level design yeah. right. that you can follow. But yeah, you're right. Documentation definitely goes out of date if you don't maintain it at the same time right. that you code it. And I think some that's how some places like overcome that is part of your ticket is to update the documentation, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. So pitfalls with waterfall, uh, it's difficult to move back to make changes, and so it's inflexible, and hence the reason for agile in the first place. Here's a big one: in true waterfall, testing doesn't start until development concludes, and so bugs are much more likely and they're harder to fix. So what what happens then? Because that's going to happen, right? So how do they deal with that? So I think what you might do is have them still finish testing, just mm-hmm. get as far as they can with testing everything, mm-hmm. and then they'll send bug reports back to the development phase yeah, and right. get the bugs fixed. We'll talk about potential hybrids and modifications to these methodologies in a little bit, but yeah, with the true waterfall, you know, you kind of con- have to conclude each phase, mm-hmm. and then you'll, you might, uh, I mean, depending on how bad the bug is, or how not bad it is, you might still like release it and then wait until you're in that maintenance phase, which is the very last phase to start addressing some of the bugs. Right. And then another pitfall of waterfall is deadline creep. This is where many of your tasks are dependent on one another. Mm -hmm. So if one task is late, that starts to push the whole thing back. Mm -hmm. So that's called deadline creep. And then the kind of biggest issue with waterfall probably is the fact that if the requirements don't accurately articulate what the client actually wants, Mm -hmm. then you'll spend all this time and all this energy developing something that's not actually what they want. That's like really surprising though, right? Because isn't um, like the stakeholder very involved in the requirements gathering for for waterfall, right? Yes. So Uh, how, like, where does that disconnect? Where does that happen? I think it depends on the scale of the project. I think if it's like a large software product Mm -hmm. and you're developing it, you know, at a large corporation or for a large corporation, I think 
essentially there's just like a lack of communication. Mm-hmm. Someone who would be an end user might have a project manager that they communicate the requirements to. And then the project manager writes them all down and hopefully, you know, they're capturing what that person once accurately, mm. but then that project manager just gives the requirements to the developers. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of less client yeah, right, engagement right. directly yeah. with the developers. Yeah. So there's kind of like some telephone going on. Yeah. Um, and there could also be like upper management telling something to lower management who yeah. then tells it to the project manager. Right. Can, I, can I give like a short, just like advice in general to developers? I like, I know we're not the most social crew in the world, but like go talk to your business stakeholders. This is something that's like so easy and will just amaze your manager. Like, what? My developer talked to the <laughs> business stakeholder? Like, that's insane. Yeah. Like, they got feedback on what they're doing immediately? Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's one encouraging thing with Agile is it really, you know, fosters that collaboration between developers and business stakeholders. That's definitely a benefit that I've experienced. Like sometimes if I'm in the middle of developing something and I just have a question, I can just mm-hmm. ask yep. and get that feedback directly from yep. who I need to know it from. So can you, are you like not supposed to do that in Waterfall or is it, uh, it's like not baked into the recipe, I guess? I guess, yeah, it's just not baked necessarily into the recipe. Like I'm sure a developer could attend the requirements yeah. gathering meetings, but in general, no, it's kind of like up to the project manager to collect everything mm-hmm. from the business stakeholders. Right. And then to distribute all of that information to the architects and developers. Are there are there demos in Waterfall like halfway through the project? Or nope, like that? not in true Waterfall. It would be at the very end. <laughs> yeah, so not very iterative. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, now I was careful to keep saying the words true Waterfall, but there is a concept called modified Waterfall, where once you find an issue, you would ask like, "What are you supposed to do when you find issues in the test phase?" In a modified waterfall, when you find any issue, you can go back to the previous step. So like if you're doing development, maybe you get to the point where you're considering two requirements that actually conflict with each other, then you can go back to the requirements phase and say, hey, I need to nail these down a little bit more because they don't make sense right now. Yeah. Uh, or if you find an issue in the test phase, you can immediately go back to the development phase and fix that issue mm-hmm. and come back to the test phase. Okay. Yeah. Now, it might even be that an issue that you find downstream in like the testing phase has to go all the way back to the requirements phase. Like mm-hmm. maybe, or at least maybe even the design phase. Yeah. Like right. I found this fundamental yep. like right. user experience issue. Yeah. And so instead of taking that back to the developer to try to fix right. what's essentially a flawed design, it has to go back to the design team it's like to reanalyze it. To reanalyze it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To get to the pros and cons of Agile. Pros for Agile is the client is continuously involved. The incremental progress keeps everyone informed of status. And so, you know, whether you do Kanban or Scrum in Agile, you're still going to have standups and everyone's going to attend those standups to know what's going on and what you're struggling with. Um, Agile is more flexible to changes. In fact, it expects those changes to minimize their impact. And then for startups or businesses where the time to market for that product is really important, it's easier to get to an MVP because you're mm-hmm. constantly iterating. And so the business people can be like, ah, oh, that's not a priority. Like, don't mm-hmm. focus on that. Focus on this instead. Mm-hmm. So that's really important for startups. Now, I've talked a lot about Agile and how great it is compared to Waterfall. But there are some cons. First, it's difficult to implement, right? You know, every time I've talked about Agile with a friend, to me, people have issues with it. But then the fallback is, well, we're just not following Agile like we're supposed to. 
And so I think that's a weakness of Agile. You know, if it's difficult to implement the process, then it's not a good process. Right, yeah. In my opinion, yeah. Another con is that not all clients want to be so heavily involved. Like, Agile does promote that constant collaboration, but we've met plenty of business people that are just like, here's the requirements, here's what I want, just go and do it and bring it back to me. And yeah, it sucks if you have a client like that, but in my opinion, it might be better to just like follow the waterfall process and get it out the door yeah. and break ties with that person right, right. than it would be to force them to come to stand up with yeah. you every day if they're yeah. going to have a negative attitude like right. that. And then the third con is that without leadership, understanding, and commitment to the agile process, it's easy to fall into scope creep. What is scope creep? Sure. Scope creep is, say, if you are following like the Scrum methodology and you've got like a two-week sprint. Yep. In a true Agile setup, you wouldn't add any tickets to the sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, if you add a ticket, you're increasing the scope of the sprint. Right. And so that's scope creep. Do, um, can that be applied also not just to the sprint, but to the project as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. Now, whether it's like a negative thing depends on if you have a firm deadline. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're starting to add more features, but you have a firm deadline, right. that's a problem. So that's where, like you said about building relationships with the business people, like that's another reason why you should do that because the more the two of you are on good terms, right. the more that business person is going to be like, ah, you know, I don't want John and Chris to have to stay late to get this out the door. Like I'll make a better effort to prioritize things. Um, and then the last con of agile is the potential for frequent refactoring. And this is because, you know, as mm-hmm. the requirements are getting more and more clear as the project goes on, mm-hmm. you might finally come to a requirement that like challenges all the assumptions that you made up to that point, yep. well, what are your solutions? You either need to blow everything away or blow some of it away and refactor right. some of the implementation, or you take shortcut to satisfy that requirement, but right. shortcuts aren't good. So yeah, there's this potential, because you're not collecting requirements up front, that you might make flawed assumptions in the code mm-hmm. and, and start to either take extra time to refactor or suffer in code quality taking shortcuts. So what about story points and like estimations Mm -hmm. and sprint planning and all that kind of stuff? Like like, comparing the two methodologies? Yeah, like that's, I guess that's not really in Waterfall at all. Um, You can do estimates in Waterfall. I mean, that might be part of the contracts negotiation. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to do that in order to come up with a cost estimate to, you know, win a contract. Right. Um, so there, I mean, you basically collect all the requirements and they might not be like clear requirements. They might be like high level, mm-hmm. uh, if we're really talking about like contract negotiation. And so then you would ask, you know, a senior engineer or an architect to like, Hey, you know, look at this requirements. Like what implementation would you suggest based on these requirements? Mm-hmm. How many hours would that, you know, implementation take? And that's, so you'd estimate all those things yeah. to come to a final price on that. Contract. So what? Let's just like drop the waterfall. What does story point estimation look like in agile methodology and like the sprint planning and mm-hmm. backlog grooming and all that kind of stuff? Sure, sounds good. So in agile, what you would do is you would assign points to your tickets mm-hmm. relative to, I believe, the complexity of the ticket. So it's not about how long you think it would take. Right. It's you know, wow, that's a big ask. You know, that's ten points. Is this so? Um, is, is that like oh, just oh, yeah. developers or is that in the company I was with five years ago or so, we did estimates from everybody. So it include business, mm-hmm. um, developers, 
user acceptance testers mm-hmm. and, and project managers, like anybody that was, you know, even related to the project manual, mm-hmm. I was like, this seems complex. This looks like an eight or something. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've also been on projects where it's been just the developers. Mm-hmm. When it's not just the developers, how do you like rectify, you know, if... Ooh, a business person said it was like a two. Yeah. And a developer said it was an eight. What would you do? Oh, yeah. This has been different based on different places I've, I've been at too. But the most common pattern is that you have to debate it out mm-hmm. until you come to some agreed upon number. Gotcha. Which like, seems kind of crazy to me because I, I think a lot of people essentially just give up the fight. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, whatever. Yeah. He's a more senior guy. And like some people feel like they don't have the most knowledge about it and so they just give up they're like oh you know what do i know yeah Mm -hmm. Um, so it feels kind of like defeatist to me the the other way to do it is um to take some sort of like average Mm -hmm. or median number Mm -hmm. um but the good part about like debating until you get to a common number Mm -hmm. is that there might be somebody in the group that knows something that nobody else does Mm -hmm. and that's why they bump the number way up yeah Uh, and so that might actually be the most accurate number but, you know, if you just take an average, then that's going to get washed out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's good to have a conversation. Even if it is just developers doing the pointing, you know, developers might not agree. So you can just be like, hey, why do you think it's a 10? Yeah. You're like, oh, well, actually, you're going to have to, like, change the structure of the table to be able to support that capturing of data. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't think about that. Right. Yeah. Do you do, um, like, use Fibonacci numbers for your... We used to do that. So, um yeah, we used to do the complexity points. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they would be like Fibonacci based, you mm-hmm. know, one, two. Yeah, yeah. One, three, two, yeah. five, yep. eight. I, I got really pissed that. Thirteen. My, yep. And then it's like infinity after that. I got really pissed at my uh, former um, project manager because he was like, we're using the Fibonacci number. And I was like, oh, great. Like zero, one. And then like it repeats one again, technically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, two, three, five. He was like, no, there's no two. I was like, <laughs> Fuck you, there's a two in the Fibonacci sequence. I'm using it. (laughs) And he got really pissed at me because he was like, no, we're not using two. I was like, "Mm, fuck you. (laughs) Nice. But I've been in situations where the pointing is just the number of days you think it would take. Mm. The reason why we started doing it that way was with these Fibonacci numbers, like that's fine for a developer, but Scrum almost assumes that nothing actually has a due date. So you're working on these tickets and they're individual tickets and that's all great. But sometimes you do have like a bigger project and that yeah. project has to be done by a certain time. Right. Business folks, you know, appreciate having some sense of when they can expect something to be done. Right. And so we started pointing as the number of days we think it would take. And so you can, you don't necessarily have to get it perfectly right. You know, we, we had it so that if you couldn't pin it down to days, like if you're in that situation, well, it's probably going to be like a week. Mm-hmm. And you could even say like, this is going to take a whole sprint. Mm-hmm. to get through this one ticket. Right. But um, so isn't isn't that the point of doing like retrospectives at the end of the sprint and saying, you know, this is what we estimated mm-hmm. the, the story points to be. Mm-hmm. We, we brought in 21 points worth of stories and we accomplished 18 mm-hmm. and it was three months long. So like, let's next time we do this, make sure we don't take on more than 18. Yeah, that sure. was our like, velocity last time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, the philosophy is is what that's called. Um, and yeah, I guess since developers are bad at estimating time, but they're yes. good at estimating complexity, right. I think that is, I guess, the <laughs> theoretical idea of science, <laughs> why you would do philosophy right. um, to kind of act as that translation. Yeah. And then from there, you can see like, oh, velocity was down. 
velocity was up, you know, great job. That's a good way to put it. And I can totally see just like the average developer, just like totally non-committal, like when asked for a number of days, forget you. Like if I say a number, you're going to hold me to it <laughs> and then I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, no, for it's, sure. It's much easier just to do them. This sounds hard. Yeah. So sometimes like points and complexity, mm. that number of days and complexity also right. don't line up. Yeah. Like it could take me 20 days to build an Instagram clone. Mm-hmm. Like not to shit on Instagram, but like it's not hard. Like we're just sharing pictures with each other and mm. doing like a commenting system, right? Right. Um, but it's going to take me a lot of time to do that. So by changing the conversation to complexity, you are giving the developer a chance to like signal like this is really hard and that's helpful for business because they could say like, well, actually that feature is not even important to me. So forget that. Yeah. Uh, but also it's a signal that like the developer could use some help like breaking down that task into subtasks to make it more manageable. Yeah. If they feel like that problem isn't manageable in its current presentation. Right. Cool. So I have two more methodologies to talk about. Oh, man. Okay. But they're really short. So basically, we've talked about how Waterfall has its use cases. It still has its use cases today. If you know for sure what the requirements are going to be, and you know that the scope of the project is fixed, then Waterfall makes complete sense. And I'd like to present to you an analogy, actually. So an analogy that you could use... When considering all these different software methodologies is asking a child what they want for dinner. Mm-hmm. So for waterfall, you ask your kid, what do you want for dinner? And they're like, I want chicken nuggets. And they're just very clear that they want chicken nuggets. They don't want anything else. Mm. And I feel like that's a good analogy for waterfall. Mm, right. For agile, you ask the kid what they want for dinner and they're like, I don't know. And so you start like driving around trying to find a restaurant or something like, do you want to go to McDonald's? No. Do you want to go to Burger King? Maybe. Your kids are not going to be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to feed them shit food. Uh, we're going to talk about some hybrid solutions. And so here, that analogy would be the kid knows they want chicken nuggets, but they don't know what they want on the sides. Mm. You're like, do you want mac and cheese or do you want corn to go with the nuggets? And they're like, I don't know. But they know they want chicken nuggets. So the hybrid methodologies are nicknamed either... Wait, just for a second. The developers in this metaphor are the responsible parents. <laughs> yes. The, the business <laughs> scenario. The little toddler that can't fucking figure out what he wants. Yeah, me. basically. <laughs> okay. Just so, just so we're clear. That's right. Yes. <laughs> business. Um, so the hybrid solutions are nicknamed, depending on what camp you want to be in, Agifal or Wajile. Ooh, I think I like Agifal. Yeah, Agifal, I think, rolls off the tongue better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the hybrid approach, the development phase is still agile. You know, you still have the client involved in the status of things, and they can say, you know, no, I don't want that, you know, do it this way instead. But the important part is that you do still go through that discovery process and you collect that information up front, the requirements, you know, the design, you still kind of think about those things in the early stages. But then once you jump into development, you get into an iterative approach so that you're still securing a better outcome for the customer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, it's been a fun discussion, John. Do you have any final thoughts on Agile versus Waterfall? Yeah, I guess Waterfall just seems so not practical. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of like outdated to me. Yeah. Like when I hear Waterfall, I think like IBM. 
yeah, or yeah, right. you know, like the big guys that had their heyday in like the eighties. Yeah, I still like billion dollar companies, but maybe maybe this isn't fair, but I associated with just like a very clunky old website that's mm-hmm. like not user friendly and like I, I feel like Waterfall is just like asking for trouble in, mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah, like those two things are so separated from each other yeah. that of course they're not going right. to align. Yeah. That's all I got, man. All right. It's been fun. It's been fun, yeah. yeah. See you, folks.